Welcome to State Bar of Michigan's On Balance Podcast, where we talk about practice management and lawyer wellness for a thriving law practice with your hosts, Joanne Hathaway and Tish Vincent, here on Legal Talk Network. Take it away, ladies. Hello and welcome to another edition of the State Bar of Michigan's On Balance podcast on Legal Talk Network. I'm Joanne Hathaway. And I'm Tish Vincent. We're very pleased to have Leanne Sterling join us today as our podcast guest to talk about her law firm journey from survival mode to stage one business. Leanne, would you share a bit about yourself with our listeners? Sure. Thank you, uh, Joanne and Tish. It's sure been a pleasure working with you all these years. You've seen my journey. I um, own and manage Sterling Law Office in Traverse City and Gaylord, Michigan. I have a, a JD from Ohio State. I practiced in Ohio and then joined the Michigan Bar in 1998. I had a lifelong enchantment with Lake Michigan. So 20 years ago, I followed my heart and a dream to live up north where my family had vacationed. I naively thought that I'd retired from law and would write books. And when reality uh, soon hit me, I opened my law firm in 2001 and entered, oh, five to 10 years of survival mode. Uh, looking back, I feel I was probably reckless, but still glad that I took that chance because um, my husband of 30 years suddenly passed away last year, and I don't have to regret that we were waiting back in Ohio for me to retire next year before following our dream. We had 19 beautiful years uh, being where we wanted to be. So um, I guess all of looking back now from that perspective, it's all been worth it. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, Leanne, why don't you start and take us all the way back okay. to 2001, <laughs> if you will, and right. walk us through the present. Okay, well, I had no business skills, no lawyers in my family, no successful law businesses to serve as uh, models. I had worked at the Legal Aid Society and for a civil rights litigation private practice in Ohio, and I hadn't learned any useful business skills from any of those experiences. And of course, back in uh, the 1970s when I went to law school, they didn't teach you anything as practical as practice management. So no wonder I was feeling exhausted, frustrated, and overwhelmed when I first spoke with Joanne uh, in the brand new uh, practice management resource uh, center from the State Bar of Michigan. So I reached out to uh, the practice management resource center and started um, learning how to actually practice law, um, the, the practice side of it. And I knew how to run my cases, but I needed to know how to run the business of it. And um, the first change I had to make was to actually treat my practice like a business. Some of the most important um, practice management strategy that I learned was to get some expert advice. Um, it wasn't as expensive as it sounds, and I found that I couldn't afford not to. So I learned to um, reach out for some other uh, advice. I learned, um, got advice on the technology necessary to run a business. Um, an efficient law business, and then I had to also learn how to use it. It's not, not enough to just have the technology. You have to know how to use it. <laughs> and one of the first things I got was a timekeeping program. 
and uh, no longer was I keeping track of my time on a yellow legal pad. <laughs> I actually had a program, and sometimes now looking back at it, wow, if we hadn't you know, had that timekeeping program then from the very beginning of when things started to lift off, it would have been so hard to institute that now. Leanne, I just wanted to interject and uh, make a point, and maybe you can clarify this. As I understand it, having known you over all these years, through your journey and when you retain these experts, you didn't get one expert. You really got an expert in each field. And that was one thing I think that popped out at me when I was reviewing my notes again. And I think that instead of getting someone who was one law firm consultant, you got a technology consultant, you got a practice management consultant, you got a marketing consultant. Is that correct? And do you think that was very helpful? Yes. Experts on phone systems, experts on time management and time efficiency consultant, and expert on human resources. And it really wasn't all that expensive to seek out that kind of uh, expert advice. I just didn't have that knowledge. And I guess what I was blessed with was being able to find people who could uh, help me with learning these areas of uh, practice management. Well, I think you really did your due diligence too, because a lot of the experts that you retained were specifically geared toward law firms. Is that right? Yes. Yes, they were. And do you remember how you found them, Leanne? (laughs) Well, by looking and by, you know, paying attention to what came my way. But sometimes I feel it was more that I uh, was throwing up my hands to the universe and saying, I need somebody who can help me with understanding whatever. And uh, pretty soon a person with those skills uh, came uh, on my radar I like that technique, just throwing up your hands and knowing exactly what you needed. <laughs> but really, it's just being um, open to uh, those. We're bombarded every day with yeah. experts. I, I, how many emails do you get a day with somebody offering some skills? But I guess it's knowing how to sift through them and to know what it is that you need. And as I went through this um, desperate journey, I uh, started to see what I needed. And then, of course, getting my staff together was um, a big, big part of my journey here then, too. And even though I I set myself up in this uh, northern Michigan environment with not enough clients and uh, long distances to travel between uh, courthouses and just a remote rural area, I was able to also turn that around to an advantage because, like me, many other people wanted to, um, they dreamed of moving up north and raising their families uh, near Lake Michigan, and I was able to attract some really great talent um, using that, finding other people who shared my core dream to live up north. So um, I I started with a couple of uh, great young attorneys who wanted to raise their families up north too, and then uh, my support staff uh, was a, another story. I, when I first started out in that survival mode, it was whoever showed up in the midst of a crisis that I needed something done, and they got hired without any thorough um, and organized way of selecting people. 
Um, but I soon, um, thanks to ICL and um, Solo and Small Practice Institute materials and the Practice Management Resource Center, I uh, learned um, of checklists and how to advertise properly and uh, review and compare applicants and select the most promising for interviews. And I still had this uh, one more dream of finding that experienced legal administrator, maybe from a big city, and they were looking to do kind of a pre-retirement gig up north. Uh, they still had some, you know, career left in them, but they'd already learned a lot of things. And I wanted that person. And sure enough, one summer day, she appeared from an 80-lawyer firm in downtown Chicago. And she's blessed my life every day since then. <laughs> and uh, That's pretty she, amazing. She, she's been um, on board with me, helping me make this a, a professional law firm. So to keep these people, I believe in paying my staff well and providing them a place to work where they are respected and their their family lives are respected too. So uh, I used that location. It was a detriment, but I used it and turned it around and, and used it to my advantage. I read a lot of books uh, on managing and compensating and training staff and keeping them happy, and in turn, they keep me happy. Now, Leanne, if we can go back. So it sounds like you really started with technology, and that was really what helped with your efficiency in the law firm. Can you talk a little bit about what technology you do use and how it has helped you? I know you had mentioned billing software. Right, right. The billing and uh, timekeeping software. And now it's we're just getting ready to um, undertake a major upgrade on that because our technology has to work in two locations seamlessly. Uh, we have um, a server at our main location in Traverse City and um, the Gaylord office are really two attorneys sitting there and their support staff is in Traverse City and they have to function as if they're just two more offices in our Traverse City office. Um, all the phones get answered here in Traverse City and they buzz them over in the Gaylord office as if they were you know, buzzing me that I had a phone call. So our phone system, um, our server, our timekeeping, um, all of our backup systems um, all had to be compatible with that kind of a remote rural business model. And are you using any practice management software at all? Not other than our PC law. Um, and it has much more capacity than we actually already use. But I know that there are more, um, many other applications that we can use. Another thing that I learned is that I would never arrive at my final technology destination. It's ever-changing. And you just have to keep going with it. And so one of the things that's also happened to me as my practice has grown is to uh, have a, a technology uh, support person, uh, my tech guy, and he keeps all of these systems running. And he's an outside person that is just ongoing. Um, we keep him um, an under contract to keep all of our systems uh, safe and out of harm's way and the most efficient that they can be. And did there come a point in time where you decided that it would be best to focus your concentration on just a few select practice areas? Yes, it did. That was um, a major step for me. When I first started, I took anything that came in the door. That's pretty much what you have to do to build a practice. 
or at least back then. So after things got rolling for a while, we decided to just focus on the things that we had the talent at the time to do. So I feel like I assembled technology, I assembled a team, and then I looked at what the team was, what their strengths were, and then that's what we focused on and started turning business away. I know that that sounds counterintuitive, but it was an excellent strategy for us to not take everything that came in the door. And another um, uh, major development was that I branded my practice with a well-known trademark and decided to focus all of our advertising into radio. I started doing very little print advertising, and I know that there were many disappointed um, salespeople trying to sell me advertising, but I just wanted to focus on the radio advertising Um, And then that also defined my area, my geographic region of practice, because the radio stations uh, broadcast over a particular area, and I wanted to take full advantage of the area that they were reaching. So um, Mm -hmm. that became our practice area, our geographic practice area. So now, more recently, um, we, um, I mean, there's so much more ways to reach, so many more ways to reach people now. So we've recently moved away from 100% radio advertising to a uh, 50-50 program with a social media campaign, but it's a managed social media campaign. Um, and we're producing some videos and Facebook posts and blogs to uh, reach the social media um, instead of just depending on radio now. Did you hire someone? Right. My, my tech guy that had been uh, taking care of us um, all this time, um, he was getting more into that too. And uh, he has a partner who was willing to uh, jump in there with us. And uh, the results are that uh, after the first month of um, our first video, it reached 60,000 people um, on a YouTube video and then uh, 2,200 um, on uh, Facebook. So we were really pleased with that. That's fantastic. That just, just the beginning. So I, I guess that's good. At least that's what my experts tell me is good. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. What kind of videos are you making, Leanne? Uh, we're, we are taking um, the radio work that we'd already done and the resources that we had, and we're translating them into uh, YouTube videos with photos and uh, to talk about our practice. And uh, uh, we're also, instead of just um, uh, the radio ads, we're all on um, family law, which is one of our main practice areas. But another uh, practice area is immigration. And so we have uh, followed the same format for the original radio ads and are adapting them for other areas of practice, uh, immigration being one of them that we're working on right now. So let me ask this, with the immigration law, would you be serving people that are not in northern Michigan then? Can the law firm offer services at some other location in Michigan? Yes, it can. That's pretty much a federal practice. And the leader of our uh, immigration department uh, is actually pra- uh, licensed to practice in um, Michigan and Illinois, and she still has some Illinois um, customers uh, for her immigration services. And that was kind of the same thing with uh, social security disability law, too. It's a, it's a, a federal law practice. 
Yes. In administrative departments. So all these decisions, it seems like you have to keep abreast of, of the changing environment and the changing kinds of media options and software. Is that pretty much a full-time job, just trying to manage the business? Well, that brings me to another the best decision I ever made for me. And I don't know that this works for everyone, but for me, my best decision in this long journey was for me to actually stop handling cases directly. I have such talented and energetic associate attorneys who are eager to hone their skills and do those cases. And if I step back and do what I call lead conversion, and I'll get to that in a moment, Mm -hmm. and also the management of the firm, it just keeps everybody fresh for the job that they need to do and so that they no longer feel exhausted, frustrated, and overwhelmed all the time trying to do it all. So there was a few years ago, and I uh, made that decision to just start doing the initial cases. And so in my practice, we, uh, we, we do that advertising, as I've described, and people contact us either by the internet or um, an email or by telephone or very infrequently by letter, but mostly by phone and, and um, by email. Uh, they'll contact us, and it is me the uh, lead conversion person, the uh, most experienced person in our firm that reaches out to those contacts and uh, finds out what their needs are and makes a a contact with them. And then uh, we invite them to come into our office and most of the time they'll sit down with me or um, another one of the associate attorneys if I'm not available to hear more about their legal needs to Uh, sort it out with them and come up with a plan of action for them. And then from there, the way that I I did this to get people to not lock on to me as the person that they want to represent them is that Mm -hmm. I just made sure that our hourly rates reflected our experience. And so my hourly rate was much higher than the associate attorneys that I was trying to get um, the people to have as their primary attorney and knowing that I would always be around in the background and they saw the economic wisdom of that and uh, then they didn't just rely on me that, oh, we've already met you, you know our story, we want you to be our attorney and they were willing to build a team approach to handling their case. And so I get called in, you know, with there's um, um, a conflict, time conflict for the attorneys. We like to have cases move forward quickly. I'm available to handle those, handle problems, to, you know, be a second set of eyes and another brain to work on a problem and as a resource person uh, throughout the the case, uh, working as a member of the team. So the lead conversion that I do also involves um, not only reaching out to people in the beginning and hearing their problem and getting them set off in the right direction, but then also following up with them. And I find that that is very useful to the business model that we um, are following to uh, get and keep our clients. Sounds like an excellent plan. Now, Leanne, do you use any type of surveys to monitor client satisfaction or... Yes, we do. Um, oh, I got one right here on my desk. A client satisfaction questionnaire that w- at the end of a case, we close, we close the case. 
Um, we send a closing letter and we send a questionnaire with them. Then another thing that we've found is useful, especially with this team approach, and so that we train each other and use, use our own resource of training each other is we have attorney meetings and we review all of the closed cases. As they're closing, each attorney will present the case that is being closed, the closing letter has been sent, the, the client satisfaction questionnaire has been sent, and we discuss the case, what happened, what we learned from it, what uh, good briefs might be in our brief bank, and then also the question of what, what do we wish we'd known at the beginning of this case that we know now. So that's another part of our business model. I've also added a professional bookkeeper uh, who does our uh, collections uh, work too. But as we've gotten better at getting our money up front and secured, her collection activities aren't as uh, busy as they were in the beginning. But uh, I found that it was really, um, I couldn't afford to not have a professional bookkeeper uh, handling our business side of the practice. So I've made mistakes along the way, that's for sure. I've um, uh, endured these setbacks of uh, losing cases, uh, lean months, uh, when I didn't collect the money, uh, of economic ups and downs, employee misconduct and drama, uh, employee turnover, which I'm happy to say now it's pretty seamless when uh, people come and go, which is not that often, but when they do, uh, we've been able to standardize things and institutionalize our knowledge rather than keeping it in the heads of uh, particular employees. So that's gone more smoothly, but I've had my headaches with that. And then just the relying on personal relationships instead of professional relationships to get the job done was a, a mistake that I feel like I've made borrowing heavily to maintain my former lifestyle and uh, the lack of accountability and making fear-based decisions have all been mistakes that I feel like I've, I've learned from along the way. Well, you recently had a very good experience. I know when we contacted you to see if you would be available for this podcast, I contacted you and you were in Hawaii. Can you share a little bit about that and how you were able to work from Hawaii while you were well, on the beach? Well, sure. <laughs> so, so now, uh, near, uh, here's this journey that you've just heard about. I'm now, I'm 64. I'm a widow, um, a new grandmother, and I have people to see across the world. My children live in uh, Chicago, Houston, and uh, uh, Hawaii, of, of all places. And so I like to go visit my daughter in Hawaii for as long as I can during the winter and uh, visit her. Uh, she moved there 10 years ago, so I've been able to go almost every year for a while. And uh, from there, I'm able to work remotely with the team that I have assembled, with the business model that we've created, and the technology that we have. Um, I wake up in the morning in Hawaii and uh, log on to my server and start talking to clients and reviewing email. And since we're already set up to have these two cities, uh, Gaylord and Traverse City, it really doesn't take too much to add uh, Hilo, Hawaii to the mix too and do the same thing from there. I just have to juggle the time zones a lot. 
Um, one of the things I'm working toward now, as I continue to wind down even more, is to divide my responsibilities. And hopefully those lead conversion um, jobs that I have will go on to a future potential partner, and I'll just keep the management responsibilities for now, and that will um, allow me even greater flexibility to be where in the world I need to be at the time. Of course, there's no place better than being right here in Traverse City, looking out on West Grand Traverse Bay. But I feel like I've built a business. I've built a business um, over this time, uh, over this journey, and with all these mistakes and all this expert advice, um, I've built a business that can make the transitions and it can survive uh, without me. That's very impressive. I think people are going to be very interested in hearing your story. Right. It's been an inspiration knowing you all these years. And I've actually pointed to your article in our bar journal Mm -hmm. many times to show people that are just starting out and are feeling frustrated and overwhelmed, as you had mentioned, do have some hope and they have someone that they can look to and see how you accomplished it from your one small office where you were frustrated to your two-firm location now. so One thing I'd like to say, too, is that I think that um, looking back, a lot of it has to do with letting go and finding the right people to work for you and letting them do their job and not having to make every decision. I'm sure I've been burned on that at at times before, but overall, I think that's um, uh, letting go and eventually letting go of the firm itself and uh, hoping that it uh, can survive and, and move on. That's wise. That's wise. I think that we are nearing the end of our show today. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, Leanne, thank you so much for being our guest. And if our guests would like to follow up with you, how can they reach you? At las at sterlinglawoffice.net. Thank you. Well, thank you again for joining us. And this has been another edition of the State Bar of Michigan's On Balance podcast. I'm Joanne Hathaway. And I'm Tish Vincent. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the State Bar of Michigan On Balance podcast. Brought to you by the State Bar of Michigan and produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com, subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS, find the State Bar of Michigan and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download Legal Talk Network's free app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network or the State Bar of Michigan or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.